0: It is 1202. Dr. Payne, Dr. Lewis here. Luigi Nally is uh, your guy for the next hour. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We're going to get to uh, basically a breakdown of how things happen for the time I walk through the door and start feeling better with you. We'll get to that kind of a step-by-step roadmap uh, because people always ask, you know, how does this whole process work when I walk into one of your clinics? So we'll get to that first. So we always uh, have a bit of a week that was. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the biggest thing is... uh that I I do want
1: to kind of go through a Mm -hmm. step-by-step because uh, we're having a lot of people coming in and they just want to understand the process. And maybe it's more of my job uh, to make that clear uh, to the listeners that we have. Uh, In terms of the week that was, we've seen, uh, obviously, as we always do, a ton of cases. um, Some highlights that I like to discuss with people are things that I think um, are more common than not. One interesting case was, and this is probably something that a lot of our listeners have either gone through themselves or know someone uh, that's gone through something similar. Patient with uh, left foot pain, um, worse in the morning uh, as he gets going through his day, tends to get better. Uh, If he sits for a long period of time and then gets up, starts to get worse, et cetera, et cetera. As I'm hearing this right off the bat, I'm starting to think plantar fasciitis. It's a pretty classic presentation. However, the interesting part about this case, and what's very common, is that when people present to their family doctor or a walk-in clinic and they complain of this, usually they'll be sent for an x-ray. And the x-ray will oftentimes reveal what's called the heel spur. So where the plantar fascia is, the plantar fascia is a piece of tissue just at the bottom of your foot, and it attaches at the base of the calcaneus and goes towards the front of the feet. Anytime you have an insertion point of a muscle or a tendon over time if those muscles or tendons are tight they pull on the bone what happens is the bone starts to spur a little so you'll actually see a little bit of a spur on an x-ray and oftentimes this is very common a lot of people have it and the problem is is that once that x-ray is taken and they have foot pain the physician or someone will or whomever the treating professional is will say yeah you have heel spurs and that's the cause of your pain uh. when really it's not the cause of your pain what the cause of your pain is is the plantar fasciitis it's the it's the tight plantar fascia that over time over your life has caused that heel spur to form, but not necessarily the pain-generating uh, structure in this case. So this person was recommended with heel, with a heel spur, uh, you can make specific orthotics where you kind of have a donut. In, in the base yeah, of the calcaneus so that it, it yeah. never has to have pressure on it. And and sometimes if the pain is due to the heel spur, that's great, it's awesome. So it was sent to me by uh, his family doctor to get those types of orthotics with the donut in it. And as soon as I was able to look at him, I just basically told him, you don't need this because it's not the pain is not being caused where the, the heel spur is. It's higher up towards the actual plantar fascia. Right. So in the absence of treating that, you're not actually gonna get better. So I just thought it was an interesting... Interesting case to bring up for this week because it is, number one, something that I see a lot of. I do see that kind of misdiagnosis of foot pain and an x-ray always being suggestive of a heel spur when it may not necessarily be. The other thing that I do often see with rela- uh, relation to foot pain is that anytime someone says I have foot pain it seems to be the default diagnosis it's plantar fasciitis and a lot of the times it is but it's not always plantar fasciitis and so um, you know there's specific physical tests that need to be done and there's specific signs and symptoms that tip someone off to believe it's plantar fasciitis and just saying foot pain is not enough Uh, so and and you know the big thing here is like I always say if you've got the wrong diagnosis you're going to have the wrong treatment which means you're not going to get better and so that's what I find a lot of is that people are told they have plantar fasciitis they do whatever the treatment recommendation is for the plantar fasciitis but their problem's not getting better because their problem's not actually plantar fasciitis it might be some other type of uh foot pathology it's like sciatica everyone's got sciatica exactly right? it's just yeah it's yeah. kind of a, a very good clinical or carpal sign. tunnel carpal tunnel right? yeah and we've generalizations gone through, gone through this a lot but uh those generalizations and again because of um you know, a lot of uh, health care is pretty backlogged in Ontario, as we all know. Uh, and the reason, you know, when we see something, we, we default to what's most common. So, yeah, hand numbness carpal tunnel, uh, leg pain, sciatica, foot pain, plantar fasciitis. There's lots of things that cause leg pain. There's lots of things that cause foot pain, lots of things that can cause hand numbness and tingling, and you need a place uh, where they're going to actually spend the time with you to get to the bottom of those things.
0: With actual plantar fasciitis, if that is the correct diagnosis, what's uh, what's the treatment for that?
1: Uh, the treatment with plantar fasciitis, it really depends on, uh, first off, how long it's been going on, mm-hmm. right? Because that will will make a big uh, um, change to the type of treatment. Uh, the next thing that really matters is the actual morphology, the shape of that person's foot. Um, so let's take the example of, uh, say someone with a high arch. And what happens with the planter, with your foot is every time you take a step and you have a high arch, mm-hmm. there's a springing. That happens in your foot, right? And that happens with every foot. And so that's what will oftentimes aggravate the plantar fascia is that constant springing. So in someone like that, we would want to minimize that. And you could do that either through Uh, having the person wear shoes a lot of the times during the day when they're walking, even if they're at home, so that it has good support, so that it minimizes that springing. Uh, Sometimes it could just be very intensive um, release therapy massage of that plantar fascia to just break up any scar tissue or adhesions that have formed. Uh, Sometimes it goes so chronic that maybe something like shockwave therapy uh, tends to be very good. So it really depends on exactly the case of the plantar fasciitis. And that's, again, John, I always say that. You can't just pick a pathology and say that the treatment for that pathology yeah, right. is always this. It has to be individualized.
0: Phone lines are wide open, uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And uh, you know, we always mention, as we get to the show, free consultations. They want to drop by and see. That's uh, that's where it all starts. For right?
1: sure, yeah. So that And that goes back to the process. Step one with anything is if you call the one five, five doctor Lou number, uh, you're going to either be able to get transferred directly to my main clinic, uh, which is Humber Family Rehabilitation and Wellness, or you can leave a message by pressing 2 for me, and I will return that message. So you'll leave a message, it'll ask for some details about why, why you're calling, uh, and then I will personally call you back, and we can have a discussion. Now that free consultation, you, we can do it in office, we can do it over the phone. The, the point of the consultation is just for me. Essentially, to do what it suggests, to consult with you. Let's hear what the yeah. issue is. Before we take any steps towards any treatment, et cetera, et cetera, let's see if it's even something that I can, uh, you know, help you with. Maybe it's not, and I have to point you to another person in my network of professionals that I think may be a better fit with you. I did this with a gentleman yesterday who came in, uh, free consultation. He wanted to come into the office. Uh, he told me a little bit about his complaint. I think my biggest strength is that I know my limitations as a professional. And as soon as I saw this gentleman, I said, I'm going to set you up with the right person. I referred him to uh, Dr. David Greif, who's a colleague of mine, and I said, this is the person you got to see because this is the person who, if if anybody's going to help you, it's going to be this person. And so that's the way it starts.
0: Hey, Corey, we're going to squeeze you in here before a break. What's going on with you?
2: Oh, good afternoon, doctor. How are you?
0: Good.
1: Yourself?
2: I'm fine, thank you. I've had an issue going on uh, for a couple years now with uh, some little white Cysts, like bumps on top of my earlobe. Okay. Or on my left ear. And I went in and see the doctor. He told me they weren't cancerous or anything. Mm-hmm. He tried to freeze them off, off with the, I don't know, nitroglycerin or something. Right. And he said I had to keep coming in every like two weeks. Okay. To, you know, get it rectified. But I ended up just purchasing, you know, the Dr. Scholes um, wart remover kit, mm-hmm. which have that yep. built in. Mm-hmm. And I used it on a regular basis, like every four days. And I had, have had no results. Um, I went and got some cream, actually, because I had a family member mention that they had it on their ears.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And they use this cream called, um, oh, what was it? Epudex. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I guess it kills any kind of, <laughs> any kind of mutant cells. So okay. I guess it's a precancerous treatment. Yeah, I... uh, I've been applying that since December 22nd, and I still have had no results. I've got a follow-up coming up this week to the doctor, but just wonder if you had any advice.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say the biggest thing, and again, I I don't deal with cysts and things like that per se in terms of uh, removing them. But, you know, using something like the Dr. Scholl's wart removal is going to be effective if it's a wart. And if it's not a wart, then it's not going to do anything for for the cyst. Uh, And so I think this goes back to what I was just talking about with proper diagnosis equals proper treatment equals resolution of whatever the issue is. And uh, I think it is worthwhile, and I think you're doing the right thing by following up with your doctor and actually figuring out what's forming the cyst, once you can understand exactly what it's from, then you could treat it accordingly. Because it sounds like the interventions that you've tried to use on your own, it's probably not targeting uh, the right thing just because that's not the right diagnosis. So uh, I definitely think keep following up with uh, your family doctor and try to figure a out exactly... a dermatologist, exact- maybe. Or dermatologist, yeah. Or a you-
2: dermatologist. Yep. Because, I mean, his next uh, step was to surgery, right? Scalpel. And I'm like, well, let's mm-hmm. try some other
1: things. Yeah, yep. I mean, and sometimes we've talked about this a lot with uh, with surgery. Uh, and, you know, there is a growing, I think most of the population right now, John, is uh, moving towards, I see a lot of people who say, I don't want medication, I don't want surgery. Um uh, but we do need to realize that sometimes it does play a role, yeah. right? And sometimes, uh, you know, I as as we've talked with surgeons on this show before, it may not necessarily always have to be the very first step, but it needs to be something considered in the line of treatment if other things aren't working.
0: 416-870-6400. Your phone call is coming up. Star 640 on your cell. And have this number on your phone anytime to get a hold of Dr. Lou. The email is info at paincarecanada.com and 1-855-55-DR-LOU. Quite simple. Dr. Pain Show continues. Talk radio AM 640. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on cell. That is the number 1215 on your Saturday afternoon. Asmina, love talking to you. How are you?
3: I'm good, how are you? Good afternoon, good. Dr. Lu. Thank Hi. you so much for no your problem. advice last Saturday regarding my son's belt, palsy. We yep. feel much better as parents this week.
0: Awesome. That's great to what, hear. Uh, what uh, what transpired after the phone call? What did you so, do?
3: So basically, like, the way Dr. Lu was uh, assured us so well that, you know what, um, he had seen that example in his life and it was time that would help it, and we tried to monitor him every day, you know, seeing his face, and trust me, his eyebrows are going up, his, mm-hmm. his smile is becoming much better, and actually today when my husband woke up and he says, I think, Azmina, it's 80% uh, quite well, you know, you know and, and we feel very grateful to Dr. Lou for that advice. No problem.
1: Azmina.
4: As we will
3: have your clinic's phone number. If we need uh, any help in the 20% that we don't see any improvement in, sure. we'll definitely call in. We actually did call in and talk to Michael, and um, we will definitely keep that number handy. Thank you awesome. so much. No problem. Thanks.
1: Yeah, That's the, made it sound like a great mom the the biggest thing yeah. with the bells palsy that I do find is uh is getting the People to actively try and think of doing what they need to do, um, and that's you know the biggest thing in healthcare often is is the education and empowerment, right? Which is exactly what we're trying to do with this show. Someone as simple as that, and I get that a lot. A lot of the times, that's the consultation. Somebody calls me, I'm able mm-hmm. to just tell them one quick thing. They do that before anything comes in, and you know what? What have you really lost? Nothing. You've gained so much by just having a little bit of education. That education empowers you to make a change either for yourself or someone like you love. Of, like uh, as son here uh, and people get better and then in the absence of not getting better you know there's other steps that we take that's when we move to the assessment potentially treatment etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: 416-870-6400 star 640 on your cell dave how are you good thanks good pal what's your concern
2: <clears throat> um well i started last summer and uh from driving i drive my boy a lot for baseball and these long journeys and uh I started to get a lot of pain in my right leg, the one that uses the gas, down just above my ankle on the outside part and just above my knee, like the lower thigh area at the back. Mm -hmm. And now just uh, sometimes sitting down too long, the pain comes if I'm driving in my car now for 10 minutes, I'm driving right now, but Mm
3: -hmm. not hurting
2: at the moment. But it gets to the point where it's almost unbearable I got to pull over, get
0: out, and get my leg in.
1: So this is, Dave, uh, pain at the back of the leg, just to, yeah. to confirm. Okay. And what type, What does the pain feel like? Can you describe the character of the pain? I,
5: I don't know. I guess sharp.
1: Sharp. Okay. Sharp, burning, any numbness, tingling, anything yeah, like it that?
2: It comes and goes. Like, it'll go away for a minute or two, then it comes back.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, a lot of the times what can happen, and again, I I can't be 100% sure, but what it sounds like, uh, where I've even myself experienced this sometimes is with driving long periods of time, if you understand the anatomy of specifically the sciatic nerve and the way it has to run... Anytime you're in a flex position uh, at your hips, that's going to put extra tension on the sciatic nerve, which is what happens when you're sitting, bending, et cetera, your hips are flexing. And then not to mention you're driving. So you're bringing your foot up, down, up, down. As your your toes point upwards, that tends to put more tension on the sciatic nerve. So a lot of the times, if there's an underlying uh, issue that could potentially... Cause sciatica, like a a disc bulge or something like that, that, that may not be necessarily symptomatic uh, when you're moving around doing things. With prolonged sitting, it can have this type of an effect. And obviously, he's saying his right ankle, right knee, which is mm-hmm. the the knee, the, uh, the, the or belt. the leg that would be extended to be on the gas yep. and and the brake. And it's not necessarily the left one uh, because the left one he's probably able to bend the knee, and in doing so, you shorten the the tension on the sciatic nerve a little bit. So, Dave, it does sound like it could be. Uh, tension on the sciatic nerve, the next question becomes, again, that's just a clinical sign and a symptom. What exactly is causing that tension on that nerve on that side, which could be something like tight muscles from driving a lot. It could be something like a disc bulge that's only symptomatic during that time, but it's definitely something that sounds like it needs to get taken a closer look at for sure. Okay. Okay, Dave. Thank you. No problem.
0: Yeah, but she doesn't have a clutch in his car. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. You know right. to have about? paint on both sides. You got it. <laughs> hey, Mohammed, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, Hi good. Afternoon. How are you doing? Good. What's uh, what's your concern, pal?
2: My grandson is uh, my grandson is 2 years old. This kid is very active. He does everything and uh, he understands everything you speak uh, when you speak with him. Uh, uh but he doesn't actually speak, say he can he doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Any word. Okay. He if I ask him to say A, B or whatever, he doesn't say it. Normally we have seven grown kids. And they all do it. They, they all um, spoke very well you know, at, during this age.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and w- what's exactly your question for me then, Mohammed? My
2: Mom? question is you know, um, do you think there's anything we can do, or is it a normal uh, thing? You know, some kids develop faster, or they will speak uh, uh, has he
1: um, Has he been checked yet? Like, have you mentioned this to the, the pediatrician, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Well, I, um, I'm not too sure if my daughter spoke to the pediatrician as yet. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it could be a multitude of different things. Again, this is not exactly uh, my area of expertise, but what I can tell you for sure is that all kids do tend to develop differently. Um, But, you know, it could be something more than just delayed development like that. It could be, you know, something else. So uh, definitely looking at it from the behavior sciences side is an important aspect. And I would say the first thing to do uh, is have uh, your daughter book an appointment with the pediatrician and bring uh, this concern to their attention, and then that way they can start the right process of maybe a speech pathologist gets involved, or maybe there's simple, uh, you know, recommendations that the the pediatrician can make. But absolutely, that's something I think that uh, needs to be communicated with the pediatrician.
0: Muhammad, appreciate the call. Plus, boys, I, I think, generally start speaking later than girls. Right?
1: They can. They can, for sure. But, you know, yeah. again, this is the point of a sure. consultation, right? You bet. The, nothing I'm going to help, but, you know, good advice on what to do next.
0: 416-870-6400, star 640, unsell. You go to info at paincarecanada.com. you want to drop uh, Dr. Lou an email or call the clinic anytime. Set up that free consultation at one 855 55 it's the Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM640. Hey, your phone calls, bring them on. We're here till uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Diego, good afternoon.
5: Hi, good afternoon, guys. How you doing? Good. good. What's going on with you? Uh, I have a question to the doctor. Uh, for the last past, I would say uh, uh, two or three months, uh, you know, my right uh, foot on the big toe, uh, just underneath the, the big toe, I have... Uh, I'm feeling like a burning sensation from time to time. Um, I do a lot of uh, running at the treadmill and uh, regular at the gym. I work out like a four to five days a week. I stretch myself after, like, you know, after uh, do my things. But uh, as I say before, for the last past few months, I can't have that burning sensation under my, uh, uh, my beat. So I don't know what could cause that problem.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, again, there's a lot of things that can cause that type of problem. But again, with the detective work that we try to do in healthcare, we start listening to the things that people are saying, understanding anatomy. So uh, going back to the character of his pain, burning sensation, we've talked this about this before. Yeah. Burning sensation already tips me off towards a neurological issue. Understanding the anatomy, the big toe is a perfect place. l 5 uh um dermatome is in that area so you know you would think something along the sciatic nerve right so it could be Diego something like from the running maybe certain muscles where that sciatic nerve has to pass through are just getting tight and in the absence of doing any therapy or getting those muscles released it's going to keep putting pressure on that nerve anytime there's an issue on the nerve um pressure being put on the nerve it does tend to be felt. Peripherally, Mm -hmm. um, in such in this case, so you could have something like in your buttock at the piriformis, but you don't feel it it, except not at source. Yeah, exactly. Or it could be behind the knee. I
5: should should mention that, but uh, from time to time, I feel numbness, and um, I have a problem for the last past, I would say, fifteen or more years. I have uh, two uh, herniated discs. Yeah, and I don't know if that could be.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. And and again, this is the whole component of. Uh, A proper assessment, the dialogue, right, where between patient and practitioner, uh, now there's a previous history of disc herniations. Uh, The numbness uh, sensation is absolutely a neurological issue. So, yeah, Diego, it sounds like it's probably something related to the back. Uh, and it's just causing that pain at the bottom of the foot. Maybe the way you're running. This is where what we do. We w- with these types of patients and and people like you, the functional assessment, where we actually will get you on a treadmill, look at how you run, uh, to understand where there might be uh, pressure and and areas of concern going forward. So yeah, Diego, give us a call. Uh, we can definitely help set something up
0: uh, and see if we can help you and figure out how to keep that issue at bay. Yeah, Diego, one eight five five. 5-5, five, five, Dr. Lou. So you get them on there, you'll measure their gait, you'll look at the way they run, just you know, yeah, get it in real not, time, it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just more using my knowledge um, mm-hmm. to actually assess someone properly. So as we started the show by saying, people come in, initial consultation, similar yes. to what we've done here, a lot of the times it's you know like the example with the cysts on the ear. That's not necessarily something I'm going to help with. Uh, but the one thing I think that most people... Um, find challenging is a lot of times they don't know the right things to say to their doctors. Um, And so a lot of the times what I've done with people when I'm talking with them is just give them simple advice on here's what you should ask your doctor uh, or here are some things that you may want to consider and some other people you may want to see. Uh, So that's just as important. If it's something that falls within the neuromusculoskeletal realm, which means anything to do with nerves, the muscles, the joints, uh, bones. Discs. Yeah, that's going to be really my area of expertise where that's the things that I'm uh, dealing with. That's when we move to an assessment. Now an assessment is properly going through a full history a full physical exam and if any special tests are required those tests are ordered in order to understand okay what's going on in that physical assessment it could be things like neurological testing if it's a neurological issue orthopedic testing uh functional testing similar to what we were just speaking of where someone in in this type of scenario we're saying okay it's hurting while you're running. Let's get you on the treadmill. Let's see you run. Let's see what you're doing. And and then I start looking at understanding anatomy, uh, you know, where certain pressures could be happening and starting to get, okay, here's maybe why this is happening. And then – plan of management falls after the assessment plan of management again, may be something that I think that my team could deal with specifically at my clinic or my provider's clinics. Uh, and that's going to be mainly focused around the rehabilitation aspect of things. Or if it's something that I think, no, maybe uh, this person needs a surgical consult, then I'll send them off to, uh, surgeon. So again, the the treatment really depends on the diagnosis. Oftentimes, uh, the things that we can specifically treat, we like to say that we try to focus on treatments that are drug free yeah. and non-surgical. That's really our expertise in our clinics. And again, I think that's what a lot of the population is looking for to avoid, uh, you know, heavy dosages. Of pain medication. Less and, invasive stuff. Yeah, and or surgery. And and again, that doesn't mean that we never refer people for those things, but we do try to achieve an effect and get people better right. with a drug-free, non-surgical approach. If that doesn't work, then absolutely we we make referrals to the appropriate people for those interventions when they're required. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on cell. You got some time. You got some questions, some physical concerns. Always wanted to ask a doctor. Now's the time to talk. Uh, to bring it on, we're listening and waiting for your calls. Lots more of the Dr. Pain Show. Straight ahead, talk radio, AM640. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell Your phone calls can take them right till, uh, till 1 o'clock here. We'd love to hear from you. Info at paincarecanada.com. Indeed, that is the email. And that free assessment get it happening. There's the first step. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou. So, I guess an obvious question, but I guess when someone comes to see you, if they have and do bring as much background, as much information as they have from other doctors or tests or other things they have, uh, they're armed with, right? Always yeah, helps. First, you know, a lot of the times, what I'm
1: actually getting in terms of the assessment is, I like to say that I'm also offering second opinions. Is a big part of what I'm doing for people, and. Uh, it is always easier when you come with the things that you've already had done to you because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of doctors such as myself, we tend to think the same. We hear an issue. It's like, well, you could use an MRI. And then it's much harder with a patient who says, oh, I do have an MRI, but it's at home or I didn't get it. And it's like, okay, well, that's going to prov- – it's, it's again, going back to the onion analogy. You and bet. We got to get – we got to peel layers away. So actually it was funny. I had a patient yesterday. uh uh 31-year-old female, and she brought a binder of her history that was nicely organized. Wow. It was in perfect order because this was an issue that she had been suffering from since her teens. And so I was very easily able to go through that and really start to say, okay, yeah, that's good. That was good plan of management. That was a good next test, et cetera, et cetera. And it made it so easy and it made it so much easier for me to give her the proper advice. And in fact, I do this with my own family where anytime something is done, I always ask for the the actual record for my own history to, to keep um, in, in a log. Like I'll do this for my mom. I've, I've asked my brothers and sisters to do this. Keep your own medical record. Create your own medical file. So that way, you know, God forbid or you have to ambulance comes to your house doesn't know anything about you. It's very yeah. easy to say here's everything, uh, and then that can give a quick sense to people as to okay here's what I can do, what I shouldn't do. Same thing if you're if you're presented to the emergency room, it just provides an easier way for the professional that's the treating professional to get the relevant information that they may very well need. That could be a matter of life and death. You bet.
0: 416-870-6400, star six forty on sale. We got open lines. You want to give us a call. It's I mean you can't judge out there today because it's pretty pretty mild, but it will get uh, uglier before it gets better. Snow, ice, all that stuff comes around and the slip and fall cases coming through your door must be monumental on yep. this time of year. S- slips and falls and car accidents, absolutely, right. uh, we, de- we definitely
1: tend to see a big increase of those types of uh, accidents during this time of the year, obviously because of the weather. Uh, and, you know, as we've spoken about before, those are things that need to be dealt with properly. They need to be dealt with the right way. Uh, one of the problems that I see, and I know when we've had Savan on the show, uh, he's spoken about this too. Oftentimes people, as an example with the car accident, are, are in a car accident, and uh, they're speaking to their adjuster from their insurance company, and they're recommended to go to what they call their, provide, their preferred provider network, you know, And I'm not saying all of these clinics are not good, and I'm not saying that they're not good anyways, but the one thing that I would caution our listeners is that when you get into a car accident and now there's another person responsible for paying for your treatment, right. uh, when they create preferred provider networks, a lot of the times what happens is those preferred provider networks are solely reliant on new patients through that network. And that means they're, they might be biased to that insurance side, right? And so when it goes into to dispute and there's a litigation factor, There may you may not have the best people on your side. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm not saying that those clinics are bad. I, I am not trying to make that comment. All I always try to tell everybody is do your research. Understand where the patient base is coming from. I always caution people with any clinic. Go to clinics where there's a diverse patient base. People are coming in through Provider networks through referral networks through word of mouth because that means no one component of the business aspect is right. solely reliant on one cool. referral source because then they might tend to be biased towards that one referral source.
0: You mentioned Savannah from the uh, Insurance and Injury Law show here on six forty. He often says the same things about insurance companies referring you to doctors. Yep, you know they're you know y- you might get a great diagnosis. It might be counter to what your own doctor and practitioner has been saying throughout your uh, coping with your your injury or yes. slip and fall. But they are getting paid by the insurance company. Well, you the know,
1: in- you know. I actually have uh, a division of our clinic where mm-hmm. we do independent medical assessments nice. for the insurance side and also for the the plaintiff side, the legal side. And again, I think the biggest thing here, these, these examinations are called independent medical evaluations. And what they're essentially trying to do is get an independent objective measure of the person. Um, and anytime there's, a, again, referral only coming from one source, those practitioners may tend to be biased, and yep. and really, you need to be independent, and you need to give objective advice. And if that ad- objective advice goes against the referral source, then so be it. That's just the reality of of good
0: clinical practice. 416-870-6400, star six forty on cell. We'll get to uh, some of your calls here in just a moment as we get them lined up. We got a open lines. You want to give us a call? We'd love to. Uh, love to hear from you. And in fact, we got uh, Bob on the line. Hey, Bob. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Okay, what's your concern?
6: I'm great. My my friend isn't great. All right. Um, he uh, he was working on the on a weekend at home, and he and he was reaching up something. He was on a ladder, and he pulled something in his knee. Okay. So he uh, so he uh, he uh, was off work for a few days, and then he because he he wanted to go to the doctor. He said, "Mom, my leg's really you know." He called in sick, you know, and he said, "My I hurt myself on the weekend. My knee hurt, you know." So he went to the doctor, the doctor they did an x-ray or something, and they said, "Gee you know, I don't see anything you know uh just uh take it easy and uh you know here take these, and uh you should, if it hurts a lot, take these and it'll and you'll be okay you know right so then he 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 started uh walking around and then he started not being able to like kneel down and stuff like that, you know he started having a lot of problems with his knee okay, so then they they uh he sent him to another doctor. And the other doctor looked at him and said, gee, you know, I don't see anything. And they had, they had already had an x-ray done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then the guy's prescri- been prescribing him painkillers. So then he's, he was working uh, about a week ago, and all of a sudden he's, he's driving along, and he pulled the car over, and he said, oh, my God, my head is aching so bad, I have to go home, I can't stand it, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. And, he
6: was, and he slept for like 12 hours, and then he was okay the next day. But it's like he needs to get and figure out what's wrong with his knee, you know? Yep.
1: Well, okay, so let me start by first saying that this is a big problem that we face in healthcare is that someone has a physical issue, uh, and, you know, that, that type of presentation, so if that came to my office, just, Bob, going based on what you've said about your friend, on the ladder, reaching for something, pulls his knee. He didn't fall off the ladder, right? No, no,
4: no, no, no nothing so, like that. Yeah, just,
1: so, so there's an absence of trauma right? My biggest indication for sending for an x-ray in a scenario like that is I'm thinking trauma, maybe there's a fracture. There's an absence of trauma here. There's no reason to think that anything broke by reaching. What there is more of a likelihood is that it's soft tissue damage. Maybe in reaching, he strained a tendon, strained a ligament, whatever it may be. When he was Uh,
6: reaching, he told me, when he was reaching, he told me, He stretched out really far, and then he came back, and he sort of came down on the wrong angle, you know? Right,
1: and so that, to me, suggests more like an ultrasound, right, to to look at the soft tissues. It's a simple initial intervention for imaging, uh, and it also minimizes radiation being exposed. So there's problem number one. Problem number two is I hate when I hear that someone went somewhere, and they were given a pill and said, yeah, just take it easy. That's what creates chronic issues and creates issues that tend to come back. I try to really, really educate on this fact. If it's a physical issue, you need a professional who's a phys- or a doctor who deals in the physical realm so that they can do physical intervention. And that means if it's a physical problem and needs physical intervention, that's where seeing a chiropractor, a physiotherapist, a massage therapist, any healthcare professional who deals more in the physical realm is probably gonna be better for this than just someone who says, Yeah, here, take this pill, because you know what? That's the reason why we have an opiate epidemic or or a contributing factor at the very least it's this type of outlook where it's just like pain take a pain medication while there needs to be some type of intervention and i would hope that most uh you know primary contact professionals out there uh in when they are hearing that it's a physical uh problem that they're also recommending a physical intervention and that's that's my hope and i'm not you know i can't comment for sure because i don't know the case fully bob but i would hope that that um is something that's being done and you know for your friend the biggest advice at this point is get them to see the right people give us a call at the one eight five 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 55 number this is a consultation this is the type of person that i would move exactly. towards an assessment because i would say yeah this is absolutely something yeah, we we specialize I've, in
6: i I've, I've listened to your show a lot over the last several weeks okay thank and, you uh, and i and i and you know i've 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 heard all the stuff, and I think it's really great what you're doing. Thank it's you. It's really something that that an alternative that we really need in this. In
1: yeah, this and you know what, really I, I hand
6: them the pill prescription thing right. you know, that's yeah. going on.
1: And you know what, Bob, I think that's a great point, and I, a term that I like better than alternative because alternative, just by its very nature, may suggest like a competition. I like the term integrative. That's what we strive for: is okay. integrative okay. therapy, yeah. uh, because yeah. we we're not opposed to medication we're not opposed to surgery we're not opposed to those things but we are opposed to it not all being put together you bet right and that's integrative healthcare, and that's where our healthcare system is moving is integration and we want to be at the forefront of integration for pain
0: management your phone calls hang on we're coming right back 416-870-6400-640 on cell it's a dr pain show on talk radio am 640 Getting to your calls, answering the questions. Doctor Lou's here till one o'clock in the Doctor Payne Show. Rose, thanks for hanging through the break. How are you? you. Good. Thank you. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's your concern? Yeah.
4: Yeah, so in the beginning of the program, you were talking about plantar fasciitis, yep. and I just wanted to say that uh, I actually went through that, uh, waking up every morning in excruciating pain on my feet, not being able to stand on my feet. Yep. So I went in to see my physiotherapist, and they had me go through uh, 12 sessions of shock therapy. Mm-hmm. I went through the whole 12 sessions, and it actually cured my problem. Awesome. And Yes, it was fantastic, and thank you for mentioning that and for your program. And they also mentioned that the reason why this was happening to me is because us women, we have a tendency to want to wear our flip-flops every summer. Yep, and for I, sure. unfortunately, yeah, there's not enough support, right? Nope, like, there's no, there's no.
1: It's the worst thing. And and again, if you're someone with proper arches or high arches, and you're wearing yes. flip-flops, which have no support. Now, the one thing that I do want to caution on the, on the shockwave therapy, um, yes. shockwave tends to be a very expensive machine, and oftentimes there's an up charge at a lot of clinics for the shockwave therapy. Uh, and, I'm not su- and I'm not suggesting that that's the case at your clinic. But I would always try to do shockwave therapy. S- based on the research, tends to be much better for the chronic issues of plantar fasciitis. Because there's many people that we see with plantar fasciitis that we can get better with just our regular treatments. And not necessarily have to jump to an intervention that has a big upcharge to it. So I- I'm glad that you're better. And that's all that matters. But specifically more for our listeners in general. Don't sure. just, you know say if someone's saying yep shockwave and and you know it's a an extra 50 dollar charge every time and you yeah. need 12 sessions or it won't help like that's yeah. when it starts to become a little um yeah. you know and and again sometimes it yeah. may be needed i'm not suggesting that that's not the case or that that's the uh-huh. case all the time but i just did yeah. want to put a little asterisk next to uh that shockwave yeah. therapy for sure but I'm i'm glad it, that yeah. that it helped
4: yeah, that's good to know. And also, so now before I wear those flip flops, I always think twice and I make sure I have a little bit of an arch in them. Now for sure, like the, like maybe a fit flop or something like yep. that. You know, yep, it for sure. Will a difference along with like what you said, the orthotics as yep. well, right? Well, and and that's you a know?
1: big thing, Rose. After you're done yes. treatment, when people get better, the next thing, what did I? What do I always say? The education empowerment. Now that you understand, it helps you to prevent issues yep. because you now understand. And also now you'll also realize if it does start to come back a little bit, you. You're going to know what to do right away, and that's a big component of therapy. Any place where you're getting therapy and there's no education, no empowerment, I'm so happy to hear that you're going somewhere where they explain the flip flop thing to you. Because when those things are not explained, it eliminates the potential for the person to make the their own change in the future. It's
0: like a pair of Chuck Taylors. They look great, yeah. but there's not a lot to <laughs> not them. Not a lot of support. Not yeah. a lot. Not a lot of support there. I yeah. got uh, Angus in Oakville. Hi, Angus. Hey,
3: how are you?
0: Good. What's uh, what's going on with you?
3: Yes, um, I got a question to ask the doctor. Uh, three years ago, my wife, uh, she had surgery done to move part of a colon.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, they, they they attach a the colon together, right? Yep. And uh, last week, uh, whatever she ate, uh, she kind of threw up everything, right? She okay. Everything. And I took her to, to see a doctor to the hospital, and uh, they do an uh, ultrasound. I mean, uh, they, they do a CAT scan and X-ray. They found uh, something in her colon got tangled together, right? Mm-hmm. So then, and then, then the specialist said she got two options: one to wait to you know to pump everything out so the colon can untangle itself, right? Or they had to do surgery to untangle themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But luck, luckily, uh, we take option number one to wait and the the. the cold and entangled itself so right?
1: this is more like i guess you're talking about an obstruction a small a small All bowel right. obstruction yeah All right yeah and All that right. that's often the the procedure that um that the professionals will recommend if it's not All life-threatening right. it, uh-huh. like immediately in that time right. they'll say yeah. let's see let's give it a few days of medications that's wait it out or if it doesn't resolve my dad actually had a similar thing uh, mm-hmm. To you, Angus, uh, where or to your wife, sorry, where mm-hmm. same thing. He uh, a bowel issue; uh, yeah. and it was obstructed, and the yeah. recommendation from the general surgeon was surgery. But let's wait first. Let's do let's Correct. do some uh, yeah. uh, interventions that are uh, not yeah. as uh, invasive, and mm-hmm. it uh, luckily got better on its own. But it sounds right. like that's the proper proper You're procedure. Right.
3: But my question is, in the future, right to avoid this situation, what 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 should you do from now on?
1: Did they mention why the um, why there was an obstruction?
3: No, I would, they didn't say nothing.
1: Okay, has your wife anything. ever had any surgeries, like an appendix removed, or uh, you know? Uh, pregnancy anything like that no, no, no nothing at all yeah so a lot of the times it's very very hard to say uh one of the common things with small bowel obstructions is previous surgeries so any adhesions mm-hmm. tend to <laughs> over time just strangulate that point so right. it's very common in people that have had like an appendix removed oh. uh, okay. or didn't deliver a baby naturally right. uh, and actually yeah. had their stomach cut and then there's some type yeah. of an incision so sometimes yeah. it could be that sometimes it could just be um something that's introduced to the body it's very hard to say so i think the only way i can recommend to maybe prevent it is maybe try to understand what could have caused the first one and in the absence of that it, it okay. sometimes is just i guess a case of bad luck okay all
3: okay. right thank you very much no
1: problem take care
0: thanks angus we'll uh we'll take a short one we got more phone calls coming up but we have room 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell again those free consultations uh you can email dr lou info at paincarecanada.com info at paincarecanada.com and the clinic of course one eight five five. 5-5 five, five, Dr. Lou Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. Twelve fifty one, still a few minutes here to get some calls in. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on your cell. Hi, Joan. Hi. How are you? What's going on with you?
4: I'm pretty good. How are you?
0: Fine. What's your concern? Dr. Lou's here.
4: Well, you know, I've got a nephew. He's 14 now. When he was born, he was born with severe club foot. The fact that it was the foot was turned to going to the other foot, Mm -hmm. and it was turned um, on the side of his foot. So, you know, he was uh, casted from birth until about 2.
1: Yep. And then
4: at 2, they did a surgery where they pulled the foot down, to go flat, and put all the tendons down. Yep. Reconnected and and what have you. Now, he's 14, and Mm -hmm. he wears a size 10 on one foot and a size 8 on the other foot. Okay. It's very, very difficult for me to buy... Shoes. Uh, a size 8 shoe and, yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. Anyways, now he's uh, complaining of pain in his uh, in his foot. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about that. And how do I get a size 8 and a size 10?
1: Okay, well, this is where things like orthopedic shoes... Um, is, you know, an orthopedic shoe is a specific shoe made for exactly this case. A lot of people, there's often a confusion between orthotics and orthopedic shoes. And a lot of insurance plans have coverage for both an orthotic and an orthopedic shoe. And a lot of times I'll have people come in saying, I want an orthopedic shoe. And it's like, well, you don't need one. This is exactly the case where an orthopedic shoe is exactly what you need because, like you the problem you mentioned, it's very hard to go to a store and say, I need a 10 and an 8 on, yeah. on Break this. Break up you, a set. Yeah, you're not going to do that, right? So this is where uh, going to places that specialize uh, in orthopedic footwear, they can actually make the, the shoe specific uh, for the exact size and the exact deformity that exists. Have you well, ever considered that? Uh,
4: well, I didn't know where to go. And number one, it's the... The fact is that he's 14. It's it's a peer pressure. You know, the shoe has to... What does an orthopedic shoe look like? Well, An orthopedic
1: shoe can be any shoe you want. Like, I know the people that we work with, they will make whatever shoe that the person wants. It's not like, you know, 30 years ago where it was that, just so that tan big colored thing shoe or the tan...
0: Grandfather would no,
1: no, this is... They can take any type of shoe that the person wants and modify it specifically for that reason. Now, obviously, it's not the same as if you went to Foot Locker or yeah. wherever and bought that. There's obviously... An extra charge but i as i did say a lot of insurance coverages uh include coverage for orthopedic shoes so it might be something for you to look into if you do have that uh give us a call i can definitely put you in touch with people uh that um, specialize exactly in that uh type of footwear awesome awesome okay thanks john
0: Thank you very much. No problem. Appreciate it, Joan. It's one eight five 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 five. doctor lu in the email once again, info at paincarecanada.com. Joe, good afternoon.
7: Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Good. Yeah. Great. Uh, I wanted to uh, just share a-, a thought and get some opinions from you folks. Yep. I've had a, uh, a-, a left shoulder issue for about seven, eight months. Um, have gone to get an MRI, and, and it didn't show any tears in the rotator. Um, have been... Uh, I guess I've had about nine shockwave treatments. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is that there is uh, some micro tears in the sub sub not the supraspinatus but underneath the supraspinatus
1: infraspinatus um, Pardon me. Infraspinatus?
7: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. And, 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 and you know and and I'm getting I'm I'm still continuing getting the tingling in my three fingers. So my range of motion is is um is limited. Mm-hmm. and um, it's a little frustrating because I'm trying to strengthen it with the elastic uh, do some, some, some exercises and that um, but I'm not I'm not feeling it you know so I'm not sure what I should be doing
1: okay so have they given you a diagnosis for your shoulder
7: well all they're telling me is that there's some micro tears uh, nothing to do with the rotator it's it's underneath the rotator some uh, under the supraspinatus and um, and, and that's basically it, you
1: know? Okay. Um, one of the things, and Joe, we, I don't know how often you've listened to our program, but we've talked about this a lot. Um, the shoulder is a very, very complicated area uh, because it essentially only attaches to your body kind of at the clavicle. And the rest of the things that hold it to your torso are all muscles. The one thing that changes drastically with everybody is the the orientation of the scapula, which is the shoulder blade, on the rib cage. And when that changes, it changes the dynamics of the shoulder. Mm. And a lot of shoulder problems that are diagnosed as tears or this or that are nothing more than just bad posture in that um, shoulder blade. And doing specific exercises to correct the function... Of the shoulder girdle is what ends up making the world of the difference in those other structures because now it brings it back to a proper area where there's no extra added pressure on certain uh, anatomical structures.
7: Right. So, so I guess. my question and maybe it's not a fair question i mean after nine sessions of shockwave treatment i should have seen some results right
1: well yeah and here's the thing with again where i talk about the upcharge of shockwave and why some clinics may be inclined to push for it um one of the things that again when we treat people we're treating people based on what's called evidence-based care evidence-based care means what's the best available literature scientific literature what's the clinical experience of the person and what does the patient want the big thing here that i want to highlight is the uh, is the scientific literature most of the scientific literature on shockwave therapy uh in the shoulder actually supports its use for calcific tendonitis so i'm not sure if that's what you've been told that you have but in the absence of having that uh it's probably not the best intervention for you uh this is joe you're the exact example of where i feel a consultation could move to a proper assessment, I'd love to have you in the clinic. We could take a look at it, and we can get you the right answers if that's something you're interested in.
7: Yeah, I'd like to take it to the next step for sure.
1: Awesome. Yeah, give us a call, one 855 55 doctor Lou. It's D-R-L-O-U, and that's for all our listeners. Consultation, again, that's as simple as it is. I'll hear your issue if it's something that I think we can definitely play a role in getting you better. With, with this type of case, the other thing I want to highlight is if you're going somewhere and you're getting therapy... And you like the people, but you're not necessarily happy with the type of therapy, I don't take anyone away from any clinics. I'm happy to communicate with the providers that you're using, uh, with the people that you're using, yeah. and and just make recommendations. Also, if there's providers and there's healthcare professionals out there listening that listen to our program, if you're interested in being part of my provider networking, you think you do a good job and your views seem to match my views, give me a call. I'm always looking for, to add people to grow the team because uh, that's what healthcare is all about, is just having a bigger and bigger team so that we can do a better job for every single person that that's uh, living with pain and try to do our best towards getting people pain-free.
0: Another fantastic hour there, brother. We'll take it for uh, another week. In the meantime, in the downtime for us, the number is 1-855-55-DRLOU, D-R-L-O-U, and email info at paincarecandidate.com. Get that free assessment happening. Get on the road to recovery and being pain-free for sure. The Dr. Pain Show on next weekend. Once again, talk radio AM 640.